0: (laughs) This is Pet Life Radio. Let's Talk Pets.
1: Hello! You're listening to Animal Party on Pet Life Radio. And once again, we've got Dr. Joy Botnick in from Aurora in Toronto, Ontario, and welcome to the show, Dr. Jory.
0: Nice to be with you again, Deb.
1: Yeah, it's great to have you. So, okay, I have a question about some commercials I've seen on TV for a new product for cats, and it's food, and it's supposed to make the cat less allergic to us humans. Do you think this is a thing that may not be so good for the cat?
0: I can't honestly say that I've heard of that, but I can also honestly say it sounds more like marketing than science.
1: It's Purina Pro Plan that has this commercial. I just don't know what to make of it. It talks about how they've researched for years and they've come up with this food that less dander, less. Allergens. Now, I don't know if they're talking about saliva, which is- Oh,
0: I thought saliva. you meant making them less allergic to us.
1: <laughs> no, no, making us less allergic. So somehow it makes them excrete less of what we're allergic to, so they claim.
0: Well, there are a couple foods that can do this, but they're doing it through usually the additions of things like essential fatty acids. And if they do that, what they'll find is it improves skin quality and coat quality. And so if they're adequately supplemented, then I find a lot of these dogs will shed less or cats will shed less. Their coat is less dry, less brittle. So it's again, less dander. And if you have a marginal allergy and your cats are, either having less dander or your dogs are, then I I guess technically you would have less allergy. Of the four, I would say I have four foods that I really like, four different companies, and Purina happens to be one of them. And one of the reasons why I like them is they do a lot of really good research. They're always available if we have a problem. If we call them, we get in touch with their research and development people very quickly. And they offer a lot of quite good solutions. So if they're making this claim, it'd be interesting to look into.
1: Okay, well, what are the other three that you like? Because that kind of makes me wonder, because there's so many brands out there, and people sure. struggle with this, and the labeling is so deceptive. They yeah. use, like, natural and... and
0: Organic.
1: Uh, yeah, and, and uh, holistic the pictures and the commercials of these dogs, but they're actually wolves, and then they're dogs, and the coyotes, but the, I don't know, and the dog pulling, you know, the, doing this beautiful act of devotion, and, oh, I'm going to buy that brand, but really... What's the best?
0: For me personally, the four food brands that I like the most would be Purina, Pro Plan for Dog. Well, Purina Pro Plan Science Diet would be another one. Royal Canin would be another one. And Yukonuba would be another. The reason I like those four is I really like their research. They're constantly in in development, and they're constantly refining. Their quality control is fantastic. I've been to the Purina test in Topeka, Kansas, where they evaluate and research their products. Each one of these companies I find does something slightly different than the other. It doesn't mean that they're either worse or better. I find, in my opinion, I would say they're equivalently excellent but someone may do better on one than the other. And it's easy to go to your local quality pet store where you'll find these products and maybe get a sample, see if your animal likes it. Another reason why I really like these products is you can pretty much get them anywhere. Like it's not to say that there aren't specialty local products that you can purchase locally, but let's say you go on a trip with your pet Now what do you do when you're out of food? Whereas with all these products, you can get them in Florida, you can get them in Winnipeg, you can get them in London, England, you can get them in Madrid. So it can be had anywhere. Another reason why I like these products is they manufacture most of the veterinary diets. And so if I have to switch an animal temporarily to a prescription food for a particular reason, it's easy to switch them back because they're just floating from, generally speaking, the same food, which is just slightly different, where one is designed for easier digestion, so it has a different protein quality, but then it's easier to go back. So when it comes to ease of location, quality, research... And the fact that I can slide them from the prescription and back to the regular foods, that's kind of why I like them. And at times you can often find these foods relatively inexpensively. And so when you look at a price per meal, of what you're feeding, if you've got a dog and it's costing you like 89 cents for your average Labrador per meal, it's not that much to feed a really good quality product. So for all those reasons, these are the four foods that I like the most.
1: I've had experience with um, all of them, actually. Yukanuba was what I used to feed underweight puppies, Yukanuba Pink, because mm-hmm. it, was the, it was just such intense food. If I was rescuing dogs and dealing with really malnutrition, once they were well enough to have that, they would put on the pounds so well. Royal Canin, hypoallergenic, yam formula. It's yam and duck. And I cannot get over the, the taste test factor. So if dogs come to the kennel and they run out of food and I have to substitute, I can text the owner and say, is it okay if I give them Royal Canine hypoallergenic? And they usually say, sure. And I don't have diarrhea and I don't have vomiting. I don't have transitional runs, all the things that I would not want being the person who has to mop the floor. Sure. And, and the dogs love it. I don't have to add in wet or play games with their food. You know what I mean? Like they just go for it. They're like, that's duck. I'm eating that. And so, so that works out really well. And uh, both science diet, I mean, I remember they used to be the one in all the vets. So I've had a lot of experience with them taking that for the dogs who really need a specific type. And then like you say, Purina, Purina is the one that was the most outstanding, most accountable during the pet food recall. So I get what you're saying with all four of those. Okay, so we're going to go to a break. If you've been spending too much on a different brand, maybe you should rethink it. And we'll be back with Dr. Jory on Animal Party Pet Life Radio. Molly, here's your dinner. (laughs) Zeus, that's not your food.
0: Purchase your Cat Tree Tray today. Go right now to CatTreeTray.com. That's CatTreeTray.com. C-A-T-T-R-E-E-T-R-A-Y.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com.
1: Hello, you're listening to Animal Party on Pet Life Radio with Deb Wolf. If you want to look for me, it's Deb Wolf Pet Expert. And actually, if you're interested in bird song, I recently put up on my page, the Deb Wolf Pet Expert page, I put up a really cool link where you can sort of hover over the picture of a North American bird and hear the song it makes. I found this really interesting. I was doing this for so long, going back and forth and back and forth and trying to memorize what the different songs were. And I was actually surprised at a couple too. So check that out. And you can always go to my Camp Good Dog Facebook page to see video and pictures of the dogs. They were playing in snow a few days ago and the pond's still frozen, much to their disappointment. But uh, watch out for that. Actually, I saw on the news the other day, a bunch of skaters fell in in Holland. And a week ago... We had two dogs, one at night and one the next morning, fall into fast-moving rivers because the people didn't have them on leash and the dog slipped. Luckily, the people didn't try to save the dog themselves. They called the authorities, but they had to be airlifted out of there, and it was intense. So if you're hiking with your dog and there's runoff or snow or unusual conditions, keep your dog on leash, even if he's good. You you don't want to lose him. All right, so Dr. Jory, have you got more to add to that about hiking and safety?
0: Well, with hiking and safety, honestly, it's, it really does boil down to being prepared. So it's one thing to stop, drop and go. But it's another thing if you're taking dogs and some people take their cats. And I, I view it the same way as taking young children. So if you're going to go for a hike and you want to be safe, if you plan ahead, then you won't be caught unawares and, and surprised. So Bring a little backpack with things you you may or may not need. The extra leash, just in case you a, encounter another dog or yours breaks and you have to go catch yours. Some little things like water. If you're going to be out for the day, make sure you've got a vessel that the pet you're bringing has something to drink from. You may want to have your little emergency kit with just a couple things. I mean, we're not going off climbing Mount Everest, but it's not bad having a little bandage, a little muzzle, things we've talked about just in case. So you can go and enjoy your walk, have an idea for time. And one of the things I often tell people is if you're going to go for a hike, let someone know you're going and when you think you're going to be back. So if you're not showing up, someone knows to look for you.
1: Okay, so if you're wondering what Dr. Joy is talking about when he said the things we've been talking about, you have to listen to the show last month when we went over everything you need in a first aid kit. So you'll probably be surprised by some of the items, but um, it's very affordable to have a thorough first aid kit. You could modify one that you would have for yourself just by adding a few items, a few key items to make it pet friendly. Okay, so let's continue on. I wanted to ask you, so I asked you about the dog food. Now there's a new litter that's supposed to be lighter weight. And, uh, you know, is that going to be toxic for cats? New chemicals?
0: Um, you know, I really don't know. The reality is I think unlikely will be toxic. It's more marketing than anything else. The newer litters that are coming out that I do like are those that have indicators in them that if the pH of your cat's urine changes or if there's blood in there, the litters will change color. That I think is really cool. The downside is some cats won't use it. And so... Mm. For me, I always think you should have two litter boxes anyways, Per like if you have one cat, even if one cat, because sometimes they'll want to pee in one and poop in another. But if you want to change your litter... I would only change one first make sure they're going to keep using it and then consider changing the other but one of the things i'll often recommend to clients in general is having one litter box with a coarser litter and one litter box with a finer litter and i find the cats tend to gravitate to one or the other and then once you know which one they like then you can adjust based on what your cat's preferences are but i try to stay away from things that have intense odors or smells that are supposed to be nice because that can make the litter actually adversive And then you could make the litter box a huge problem. I mean, it's one of the more common behavioral issues that we have is what happens when kitty stops using the litter box.
1: It's the most common reason cats are given up and sent to shelters because they're not using the litter box most common reason and it's so simple usually there's something putting the cat off and it can be something a human doesn't really think about like the fact that the litter box is close to the dryer and the dryer makes loud noises or it's near the furnace and randomly every once in a while the furnace goes boom and the cat was in there once and it happened or maybe and this is really common you got one box and a bunch of cats And one of them doesn't let the others come near it because he's in charge. There's always a mean girl
0: in the bathroom.
1: Okay. We're going to go to break and we'll come back and talk about that mean girl in the bathroom. Stay tuned to Animal Party on Pet Life Radio with Dr. Jory Bachnick. Stay tuned.
0: Take a bite out of your competition. Advertise your business with an ad in Pet Life Radio podcasts and radio shows.
1: On Animal Party, Pet Life Radio. Who brought the mean girl, Dr. Jory?
0: There's <laughs> always a mean girl in the bathroom. And that seems to be, for me, one of the more common reasons cats stop using the litter boxes. you have a multi-cat household and one of them just starts laying claim to something. And once that happens, every time another cat goes near what it considers its territory, because if you recall, cats are solo animals. They're not communal like lions. The only reason cats can live in a group in a home is because resources aren't scarce. But the litter box is a resource and occasionally as cats get older, they become more territorial and one of them can lay claim to it. And if they do, then you have a problem, which is why I suggest having multiple boxes at different locations in the house. So if there is a mean girl in the bathroom, the other animals have an opportunity to go to another bathroom.
1: Okay. So when you say they're not communal, that they're solo animals, what about cat colonies?
0: They can exist in colonies because again, it's resource driven. They're not competing intensely for resources. If resources became scarce, the colony doesn't stick together very well.
1: Okay. What about families?
0: Families are the same thing. It's all about, do they have space? Do they have access to food and water that they need? And do they have places to go and express their predation instincts. And if they have all these things, then everyone gets along in a very nice, harmonious way. It's when they don't that you have cats who used to get along, all of a sudden now don't. And why don't they? Because as they age, their territoriality changes. And as the household changes, then the dynamic can also change. And once one cat starts losing the interest in sharing, it can be quite problematic.
1: Losing the interest in sharing. That's a very diplomatic way of describing this in the middle of the night. And the one, the noisy one, actually, for everyone listening, the noisy one is usually the one being picked on. So don't assume that the one making the noise is the problem. Usually that one's going, don't hurt me. Someone else is standing there quite quietly with their claws. That's another thing. I often get called into these situations where they have cat struggles or cat doesn't like dog or cat doesn't like other cat. And I have to work on, it's usually the litter box, which is the, the final straw that makes them call me after they've you know dug up the carpet and they're really upset with what the cat's done, where she's chosen to pee, where the victim cat has chosen to pee. But oftentimes they'll see their cat lying there on its side and they'll say to me, you see, he's not guarding the litter box, but he is. He's lying on his side with all his claws facing the victim. Lying on his side might be a docile position for a dog, but it is not a rest position for a cat. That's like five knives, right? On, I, it's a, that's a lot of sharp instrumentation aimed at the victim right there.
0: And just because your cat looks like it's relaxed doesn't mean it's relaxed.
1: Well, look at the tail. If the tail has a rhythm to it, you know, like a pretty quick flip, 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 that is almost ready to pounce cat. That is not a quiet cat.
0: The other thing that we find with these guys is one of them, apart from behavior, can develop a bladder infection. And if they yeah. do, then they, them and their siblings may then avoid that litter box because they don't want to be around an area where it smells wrong. So unfortunately, it's a very common problem that can be solved. But a lot of people ignore it for a while. And so a cat has a chronic bladder infection, stops using the litter box, starts spraying around the house. And then they come to me a month later without ever having come in and say, we want to put her to sleep because she's not using the litter box. And we'll often say, well, we need to investigate this first. We just can't put them to sleep. But it's early intervention can often resolve these issues because if they start using other areas other than the litter box, it can become a habit. And that's when we start to run into trouble where they rehabituate themselves to other places. Now you've got to undo what they've learned and that's what takes a while.
1: Six weeks at least. And you have to use vinegar and then enzyme cleaners because if you don't use the urine off type cleaners that are specially designed for this, the cat keeps coming back. And do not use ammonia because that really will make the cat come back fast. Yep. Um, you don't want to ha- get into a scent war. It gets really tricky after. It's much easier ahead of time. But I wanted to ask you, what's the name of the brand of that fancy litter that helps you diagnose problems?
0: I don't remember. it. I'll have to get back to you on that one.
1: That's okay. You know what? I'll put it in the write-up of the show. So if you're listening to the show now and you're wondering about that, just look at the text of the write-up and I'll definitely uh, put that in there because I want to recommend that. Because there are situations I've had with visiting dogs where I have to collect a urine sample. You know, I can tell she's peeing too often or she's having accidents. There's one guest here about two years ago that was like this. And, and the vet's like, "Well, oh, just get a urine sample. <laughs> oh yeah, okay, easily done. So I'm wandering around behind this dog that barely knows me with a ladle, <laughs> try to catch the pee, uncontaminated while it's pouring rain and pour it into a sterile container that doesn't smell like whatever was in it before yogurt, cheese, whatever. So it has to be sterile, sterile, sterile. And I got to pour that in and get it to the vet. And if she won't cooperate, then it's going to be more of a procedure and more of a cost and more difficult for her. So not so easy. With a cat, it's way harder. So I can imagine this litter is really helpful.
0: I find it often is really helpful that that way cats uh, owners can bring in urine samples from their cat when some of these cats are are challenging to get samples from. One of the things we'll want to do, which can be a little bit more difficult with these kind of samples, is to if we have to, if we find it has a lot of bacteria, we may want to send it off to the lab to grow it to find out what the bacteria is in that urine sample, so that we can choose uh, the correct antibiotic for them. But some of these cats, the only way you'll get a sample on them is when they're asleep. And if not everybody wants to do that. So if they at least bring me in a urine sample that they've collected within half an hour from their own litter, then we can at least get started. We know whether there are crystals, what the pH was, and if there's bacteria or not. So it definitely makes my life a lot easier when people can do that.
1: Okay, well, we're going to go to break and we're going to come back and talk more with Dr. Jory. Stay tuned to Animal Party Pet Life Radio and me, Deb Wolf.
0: front paw sleeves and leash opening visit designerpetsweaters.com to order your four-legged fashions today large or small we fit them all designerpetsweaters.com let's talk pets let's talk pets on pet life radio pet life radio petlife radio.com pet <laughs>
1: Hello, we're back on Animal Party Pet Life Radio, and we've been talking about urine and cats and infections. And if you've never had a cat, you're probably thinking, well, why would they have urinary infections? Actually, it's a really, really common problem. It's not so common in dogs. And I want to talk to Dr. Jory about some of that. So what's the deal with this? Why is it so common in cats? Boy cats, it seems, but cats in general. And then are dogs not... As prone to this?
0: Well, actually, cats are more prone to a condition called inflammatory bladder disease. And it's a, it's more often than not a stress-related thing and less likely to be bacterial. And what happens is it's similar to inflammatory bowel in people. So cats who live in a household where the dynamic changes and there's a stress that wasn't there before, that stress can cause them to become anxious. And that anxiety can translate to an inflammation in their bladder where they'll start to get blood in their urine. And that blood acts like, you can get blood clots, and it causes, acts as a place where crystals can form, and these cats can actually become obstructed and can no longer urinate. And when they come to us, they're in a lot of pain, and when we collect our urine, we don't find any bacteria. Now, 20 years ago, we treated all of these cats with antibiotics. More recently, though, we're finding that the vast majority of these cats aren't infectious. It's purely inflammatory. And it's uh, what we end up having to do now is unblocking them and creating an environment in their urine where we can get rid of those crystals, sort of keeping them on fluids for a couple days with a catheter into their bladder so they keep the drainage pipe open. And you get them on medications to help kind of reduce that anxiety and stress and inflammation. And then we talk about environmental enrichment in their home, providing perching areas for them to go, providing toys for them to play with, doing things around food, like instead of using one bowl to feed them, use placing food at different places around the house so they can go look for it, basically enriching their daily experience to help get rid of that underlying anxiety. And we find that these inflammatory episodes go away or are at least dramatically reduced. There's also a lot of prescription foods out there now made by the companies that we talked about earlier, Both uh, the ones that I tend to use the most are by Royal Canin and Purina and um, Hills. And what these foods do are they create a pH of the urine that's most ideal to help prevent crystal formation. And then each company does something slightly different Some companies add things to help reduce anxiety by adding certain amino acids. Some companies may add a bit of salt to the diet to increase their water consumption to keep them peeing more frequently. And we find by doing these things, we will reduce the frequency of these inflammatory episodes. But none of this works very well if you don't adjust what the cat's doing at home.
1: Yeah, I understand that because as long as they're still stressed out, I mean, if there's another cat picking on them or a new puppy that's allowed to chase them or they've just had to move. But sometimes I bet the stress was a move or construction and the stress is over. And so once you've got the urine flowing again and the cat goes back to its calm home, maybe it's okay.
0: It can be. You know, everything from a person coming into the house to a person leaving the house. One of the things that we, I know we're going to have issues with is people have been home during COVID for the last year. What happens when all these people go home is I'm sure what you're seeing out by you is probably going to mirror what we're seeing here. I've never in almost 30 years of vet practice seen the humane societies empty.
1: Yes. I had one rescue dog, a Pyrenee. I was talking about him on air a couple of weeks ago and he's already gone. And usually I have five. You know, 10, a bunch of cats. I have one and he left so fast. And now I've got people calling for him and he's gone. But I will definitely. Do you know what, though? I think I keep telling people, please leave. Please leave. Even if you're quarantined, you know, just make sure your dog, your cat is not always on underfoot, always with you. Even if you just go to another room, if you're both going to check the mail instead of checking it separately, check it together so your dog is left alone at least a little bit. So when this is all over and you actually leave him alone, he's not going to panic. It's hard to do, though.
0: It's going to happen. It's the separation anxiety. Things are going to start to come up. I'm also just hoping that people who've committed to these animals don't uncommit to them once they go back to work.
1: Well, quite a lot of people are enjoying drives. So if you're going out for a drive and you're taking your dog with you every time, sometimes leave him alone. And that way, when this is all over, he won't panic when you go out and you drive away and he's alone So start slow, five minutes, then 10 minutes, then 15 minutes. He'll be fine.
0: Or they can just bring them to you. Let them stay with you for the weekend so they can have a weekend with you so they can play and then the parents can go away.
1: Well, there's not a lot of travel going on. Camp Good Dog, I'm doing a lot of training and some breeding but uh, not much, uh, not much pet sitting anymore because people aren't traveling and they're not working like they used to. So except for the odd uh, first responder, some people like that, where they are still having to, to work and travel. We're pretty scaled down, but that means the dogs who do come here get such a, I mean, it's like the VIP treatment. We have a guest, everybody, (laughs) you know, it's fantastic. What can we do for you? So it's a, it's a new normal, but I do have three pregnant dogs. So it's going to get super busy, super soon.
0: They're not all due around the same time, are they?
1: Well, you know how that works, right? (sighs) Twice a year, you get the opportunity, but not the same day. They were so nice to me this year. It's two weeks, two weeks, two weeks. So, you know, I know that could easily bunch up. They could all deliver very close together. And there might be two on the same day, but it's looking like two weeks, two weeks, two weeks. So I will be posting pictures of newborn golden doodles and Labradoodles very shortly. If you all want to check back on Facebook camp, good dog.
0: I love it when you post your stuff like that. I don't know how you do it. I couldn't do it. I could not do what you do.
1: Oh, I couldn't do what you do. This is all happy outcome. It would be so hard for me to deal with the end of life issues you deal with. You just have to be, I don't know. I don't know how, how you deal with it. Seeing people at their worst like that would be hard for me. I like seeing the beginning you know, making the family happy and they've wanted a dog and they've been on the list and they've come and visited. And now that dog comes home with them. And then I get all these pictures, you know, of the kids and the Halloween costumes. And ah, I love it. I love it. This is great. What part of it would you not want to do?
0: It's the, I have 36 puppies. Oh, yeah. all pooping at the same time, <laughs> at different locations.
1: Yeah, that's my math. Each puppy, I figured out, does approximately four poops per day. And there's about 10 puppies per litter. So yeah, yeah, it's a lot of poop, It's right? a ton of work. About 40 poops per litter per day, but they're so cute. I think nature made animal babies cute, so we'd put up with their poop.
0: Oh, uh, My hat's off to you. I don't have the energy.
1: Well, I don't know. I wouldn't, I, I you know, like, I had one really serious case a few years ago where I had a pregnant female and she had to go for a different operation while pregnant. And so they had to induce and we had to have C-section. And we had we had a, a nine perfectly good puppies, but it was just so touch and go. And afterward, it didn't go well. And I had to be running back and forth to the all night emergency clinic where she, where she was and bottle feeding all of her puppies. And then trying once she was okay, four days later, trying to get her back with them. That whole thing, that part, that's what you see. That's where you're the hero. And that's the part I couldn't do. That would be the, the good part where all the babies are good and the mom's all proud. And I love that. But the part when you step in, that's when we us breeders really need you. And that's that's when I can see why you don't want to do it, because you're seeing the worst and I'm seeing the best.
0: Well, Then we both serve a role. We both serve a role and we both have our areas of expertise. There's definitely certain things I defer to you on.
1: Well, I sure wish you were closer because I've got three litters coming and I know your home cell number and I wish I could call you in the middle of the night.
0: You can call me anytime. I already do. So there's no reason not to. But it'd be fun to be there.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe someday I'll, I should film it. I should film one of these. It's so beautiful. It's like, well, I know you know, but people out there, when a, when a human baby is born, it's usually just one. But this is one after another after another. And each one is different. Some are born moving and, and nursing already. And some are in their sack. And you have to help get them out of the sack. I mean, it, it's it's an incredible experience. And watching the mother greet each one and her face afterward when she's all done oh it's just it's incredible so okay thank you so much for joining me today dr dory
0: absolutely my pleasure
1: i hope it gets warm for you soon
0: well we're looking forward to it. but we at least have now with the ski hills opening this weekend i would like a couple weekends of snowboarding so we're gonna see what we can do but at least a month of fun now that we can finally start getting out
1: well we had some good news in vancouver they our resident orca pod was seen with a new calf today. So if anyone wants to look that up, it's all over the internet. The new calf in our resident Vancouver orca pod. Good news for everyone. Okay, so from Dr. Jory and me, Dub Wolf, and Animal Party at Pet Life Radio, thank you for joining us today. Be good to your animals.
0: Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.